Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Well, just like we all thought, Eric Gustafson, a goal in the deciding game of a second round playoff series. Why wouldn't that happen? Go Habs go, I suppose. Yeah, uh, th- there's some stuff going on here in Flyers land, but we're going to get into the playoffs. We're going to get in all sorts of things. Let's just get to the intros so we can get started and talk about whatever the hell we're going to talk about today. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So I had so much fun watching the first round, and I have found that my level of fun has diminished greatly. And I don't know if it's just me, because like the results that I personally wanted aren't happening, or if it's just that it's not as fun. I think the first round is usually the most fun. Yeah. Because like everyone's the most healthy and it's, it's just chaos. new it's the playoffs like everyone has that playoff energy but i i swear man as people have filtered into these buildings it has just become crazy like the level of hockey uh, like this vegas colorado series like oh my god will you just stop with this like come on no one's this good what the fuck uh like, it's, it's infuriating I, i'm really enjoying it but i will on the whole agree that the first round is typically the best yeah, so I'm sad about the Canes. I'm sad that the Avs are doing this. Ah, they still got it. They can still do it, but, you know. It's not turning out the way that I personally wanted it to turn out, which is just unacceptable. We're getting Habs Islanders. Like, prepare yourself for No. Oh, no. God, no, I'd rather I, no, die. No, we're not. We're not. Uh, okay. It's not going to happen. They're not good All enough. Right. But, <laughs> Charlie, we, keep, we say this all the time. No, Since I'm saying bo- like, bo- both of... So so it's it's plausible to me that one of those two teams could pull an upset because hockey's weird. Both of those teams are not going to win their series. They're neither of them is good enough. They're just not. Uh, that Agreed. rarely matters. It's, this is hey, you usually no no in all honesty like we talk about how hockey is random and there's a degree of truth to that but the fact of the matter is is that pretty much every year like one of the top five teams wins it all. Like, you get the randomness, you get the Dallas who goes on a run, you get, you know, the Islanders in the Final Four. But when push comes to shove and you get down to the final rounds, like, one of the best teams almost always wins. And I I have no reason to believe that's going to change this year. If the Islanders take out this Tampa team, I'm going to just cease to live. (laughs) I just can't. I can't abide that result. It it can't be. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Uh, see, I had a whole thing, and then you guys got me all worked up by claiming that the final is oh, going to no. be Habs Islanders. So now I really don't have anything. Um, yeah, I really don't have anything, to be honest. Um, I guess go Habs. I'm 100% on, on the Montreal bandwagon. I want to see them win, um, regardless of who they play, regardless of whether it's Vegas or Colorado. They're fun. I enjoy them. So hmm. go Montreal. 
I am also on the Habs bandwagon, but not because I give a shit about Montreal or the style of hockey they play. It's just our highest traffic site. So at nah. this point, I'm just going for <laughs> get those clicks. I just really will love the idea of Cole Caulfield winning it. I think that'll be a lot of fun before he's even technically like, you know. A you just like to like, you root for things that will anger Flyers fans as much as possible, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I like to piss myself off. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this isn't a <laughs> rational way to live, Bill. Ah, you know, that's what everyone's been telling me. This is me. not normal. Everyone's been telling me this for 32 years, but here I am, a successful <laughs> podcast host, married, <laughs> you know. Yeah, joke's on all of us. Yeah, you make, a, you make a fair point, Bill. Seriously. <laughs> Fuck off. Bill's doing the best out of all of us. Closing on a house here? next month. I'm doing it, fam. I'm just piecing it all together with fucking duct tape and bubble gum. How did this? How did this happen? Uh, Steph, how did Bill I, become the most like regular adult out of all all of I us? Fucking, that doesn't make any sense. I fucking wake up every morning not in my frat house, not with like a bong next to my bed, and I go, "Oh wow, this is real!" Like I actually moved on. Wow. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, Ava's perfect. Ava is perfect and perfect for you. But, like, how did this happen? We should all be so lucky. We've all known each other for so many years, and Bill Matz is an adult. Maybe. Let's not go back. (laughs) And we're all still the same. (laughs) Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. Oh, gosh. Uh, So the, the finalists for the Hart Trophy were just announced oh. and the names are exactly who you would expect the three best players in hockey yeah it was wasn't it's rocket science matthews mcdavid mckinnon why are we even like i get like okay we gotta have finalists like the norris i think there's a little bit of uh like there's some intrigue there i think it could be any of the three um like why are we even going through this charade with the heart trophy what the because fuck is the point of this? We have to have every single year the debate <laughs> about is it the best player or is it the most valuable player to his team? And if we don't have nominees, we can't have that well, discussion well, every single year. But He's the thing both. is that th- this year it was both. This yeah, year yeah. McDavid was very clearly yes. both. Yes, That's, like, that did happen, but Nathan, sometimes it's not that. Nathan McKinnon might be my favorite player in hockey to watch, but let us not kid ourselves. Like, Landiscog, Rantanen, Makar. Like, this is a fucking superstar-laden team. <laughs> and Austin Matthews, he's really great. Look at that fucking team. Look at their payroll. Edmonton is yeah. trash. <laughs> Edmonton is so bad that so they bad. lost to the Winnipeg Jets good. in the playoffs. And, like... And a team that guy, Montreal then proceeded to sweep. Yeah, Montreal who is not very good. Like, they're fun, they're pretty, they're okay, they're well-coached, like, they're good. But, like, they shouldn't be sweeping a second-round playoff series. That fucking... No, they shouldn't. (laughs) Connor McDavid scored two points a fucking game. Like, this isn't... We should have no... This shouldn't... We shouldn't even be talking about it right now. (laughs) It's wild that even, like, with that goaltender... The Jets yeah. could not do a single thing right. Yeah, like, and he didn't have the best season, but he was good in the playoffs. He had a, no, no, I I, I want to I back that up for a second. Connor Hellebuck actually had a great season. It's just that his number, like his, I guess his raw okay. save percentage is like 916. 
if if they had a league average goalie with their defense, that goalie would have had like a not an eight ninety eight. That's he had that's, a great season. Winnipeg just can't play defense. That's an important distinction. The team in front of him lowers his numbers. He himself is still Connor Hellebuck. But yes, that team does fucking stink, as evidenced by swept by Montreal. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I I have a bit of a confession here, and it's really. Like, I'm rarely ashamed of my takes. I revel in my stupidity. Um, but god damn you it. You really do. Uh, and then you double what, down. What, what I'm feeling, I feel bad about this. Like, I don't like the way I feel. Um, I'm rooting for the New York Islanders to <sighs> win the Stanley Cup. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, what? I don't know how I got here. I don't know uh, why what? I am the way that I am. This just goes back to what I just said about Caulfield. You you root for things that will piss off the most number of Flyers fans. I, will that really? Will the Islanders winning really piss off the most number of Islanders fans? Like, I feel like it it, it says something yeah, or good Flyers about Flyers fans. Yeah, or the most number of Flyers fans. Yeah, like I think it says something good about the Flyers that they lost to this team last year. Uh, they've had trouble with them. Like at least they're good enough to win the cup. It's not like losing to the goddamn like Devils on a Tuesday night. Uh, but it really comes down to two things for me. Maxine Nightingale, right back where we started from. Oh, is, God. Just, oh, my yeah, God. Of, no. of, oh of my course, God. that would be a reason for it's their, it's their <laughs> Oh, win my song. God. It's their win song. I love that song so much. And they do the yes chants like Bill. Daniel Bryan. Like, this is the team for me. This is like my fan base. I, I don't know. And, like, I really, I've always said I appreciate Islanders fans because they remind me of, like, the Green Bay Packers. They're, like, a small-town team. It's not like they're the Rangers playing in Manhattan in a train station. Like, they have this shitty little barn that they love so much. And it's just, like, a small little community team that I, I've always appreciated. So, go Isles, I guess. Uh, God damn, I don't know how I got here. No. But I, I, God damn it. I Podcast is canceled. Oh. <laughs> canceled like this is the one this is the one take this is it i this is what i just yeah this is this is is it um and it's because you feel bad about it if you had really doubled down and be like no this is this is it it. no they we're gonna ruin hockey because if the islanders win hockey is going to be ruined no and that's that's kind of what i wanted to wanted to get into with the start of the playoff talk. Uh, I wanted to start with the playoffs and we'll get some, some flyer shit when we get bored with it. Um, we know it's a copycat league. All sports are, you know, when one team has success, everyone goes, well, what are they doing? How can we do that? Man, I love the way like Colorado's put together, but I love, I love the way the Leafs are put together. Are we really going to turn into like, oh yeah, let's all be the fucking 95 devils. Like, is that what's going to happen with yes. this, these Islanders? Like, everyone's just going to go, oh, well, if it's our style, then it's not interference, and we can win the Cup, too, because this is just what happens in the playoffs. So if we practice it for 82 games, we'll be ready. Like, is that yes. what's going to happen here? Yes. Have you ever noticed that NHL coaches are real, real dumb, and they just copy <laughs> each other? Like, you can't reward this style of play with a Stanley Cup. If you do. Next season, half the league is going to be trapping like it's 1994, and we're all going to suffer for it. So let's not. Let's just not do it. So the only thing I'll say about that is that I don't doubt 
that if the Islanders were to win the cup, which I do not think is going to happen, to be clear, but I do not doubt if the Islanders did win the cup, that there would be teams that would try to copy the Islanders. I don't think, I think it was Adam Gretz who tweeted this last night. He basically was like, look, we have to acknowledge the Islanders are clearly good. Like, they're, this isn't a fluke. They're a good team. They've, they've gone far in the playoffs three straight years. They're a good team. But I don't know if their style is replicable. Like, Trotz is a really, really, really good coach, and he's able to coach this style, and he has a group of players that has completely bought into this boring-ass style. But I don't know if it's a— st- I don't know if, like, other teams can do it. I don't know if there's other coaches out there. Like, other teams could try to do it. They could do, like, you know, a half-assed version of it. But I don't know if there are other coaches in the NHL are good enough to coach it as well as Trasta. So what will end up happening is you'll have like five teams that try to go full Islanders and just suck because yeah. they get a, they have a 44% Corsi 4 percentage and a 46% expected goals percentage and they're just bad and they're boring and bad. The Islanders are like uniquely suited because of their coach and because of their personnel and because they have a first pair that like works as like one entity like the Pollock Pellick pairing for whatever reason like are either of them great defensemen on their own no I don't think so but as a pair they're fucking incredible and like not every team has that has those kinds of pieces so I don't disagree that teams will try to copy the Islanders if they win I don't think teams can copy the Islanders and I think it would be a fool's errand to try in my opinion no and I think that's important like but we will remember like yes the Devils in the 90s were boring, and they won playing that way. But they also had a bunch of Hall of Famers. Like, you could try to replicate it all you wanted. If you didn't have Brodeur and Stevens, like, it probably wasn't going to work. Uh, yeah, I and will, plus, the, the, plus the rules back then. Like, the yeah. difference between the, the Isles... The big thing the Isles take advantage of, and it comes up in the playoffs a lot, is that they just don't call as many penalties yeah. in the playoffs. So when you're hooking and holding and, inter- and doing all these little, like, mini interference calls, you get away with more of those in the playoffs... And you get away with a fair amount of the regular season, too, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Because they, they, I mean, the Islanders basically do the old school uh, New England Patriots cornerback uh, style, which is, well, if we punch the wide receiver in the mouth on every play, they're not going to call pass interference every single play. That's pretty much what the Islanders do. Oh, it's just yeah. in the play. It's just in the playoffs, it's more obvious because then the refs really don't call anything. It's the, like... If Chris Terrian slashes Jager literally for 25 consecutive minutes, like they're not going to call 25 straight slashing penalties. They're just not. Yeah, they're uh, just and, not. Yeah. Exactly. And, and like the Islanders, yeah, you can try to replicate it. I will push back on the boring thing a little bit. Like Tampa, remember that when Tampa just wasn't going to forecheck like 2009, 2010, uh, and, and they just sat back like that was boring. I do think the Islanders play with some energy. They have some skilled guys. Like, Matt Barzell is one of the most fun players to watch in the league. Like, yes, are, are, is Sezekis, Clutterbuck, Martin, like, a good line? I mean, no, it's not, it's not a skilled line. But, like, they play with energy, and they're good hockey players. It's, it would be really tough to replicate that sort of, uh, like, that sort of style out of those kinds of players. So, I don't think there's just as much of a chance to replicate what the Islanders do, but that doesn't mean teams aren't going to try, but yeah, they'll probably fail. And they have two good goalies. Like both of their goalies can play, which like is real hard to come by as we found out. Yeah. Uh, Teams will definitely try this because they're not, 
skilled enough to replicate Colorado. They're not skilled enough to replicate Tampa. So they'll go ahead and look at the Islanders and be like, oh, well, they're not very skilled. We can do that. But like, I'm just saying, like Charlie said, they kind of are. They're just skilled in a different way in terms of like buying in. Like, I don't think Elaine Vigneault could get the Flyers to play this way. I, I like, I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, and uh, you know, that's just well, he's me. not a good coach. So. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Kelly does. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. When the team just kind of gives up, what can the coach do? But we'll get to the Flyers. I don't want to make this a fully Islander show. I do want to wrap up on the Isles oh, and, just, and just say, imagine if they had Anders Lee. Like, they're missing their captain and one of their best forwards. It, it's pretty insane. And, like, who killed the Flyers? I mean, I don't even the think playoffs. they're... I don't. I don't even think they're playing that well in the playoffs. Like, that's the thing with the Islanders. Like, the the Penguins were the better team in that series. It's just Jari fell over himself in, like, four mm-hmm. straight games. Uh, but, and in this like, series, like, this was probably a toss-up series. We can only say that about this team so much. Like, they're in the Final Four two years in a row. Like, this is just what they no, do. No, you can say that a lot. No, you can say that a lot because the way that coin flips and the way that randomness works is that sometimes they're outliers. And I think the Islanders right now are just an outlier. They're a good team. But they're not like this, like, holy grail of hockey that they've cracked the fucking formula. They're fine, and they've kind of just had breaks go their way for two straight years. It happens. That's hockey. Yeah, I think when you get breaks to go your way two straight years, it's worth looking into, like— when you don't give up a ton of high-danger chances, regardless of how many total shots you give up, it's it's kind of the way you play. Like, they take advantage of their opportunities and don't give up many opportunities. That's just what they do. Regardless of the total other number team, of shots. And other teams do that, too, and they just didn't get the breaks. But they're just better at it. Like, teams, some teams are just better are at something. Yeah, because they win. That's the evidence. The evidence yeah. is that they win. The playoffs are pretty fucking random, man. You were just telling me that the best teams win usually. Which is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through four rounds, wake me up when the Islanders win a Stanley Cup. All right, so only that means that only fucking one got team, him. That means only one team is the right team that can possibly win. Then, like, it's not. Oh yeah, top five team. No, no there's that, no, no top five. There's only one. That's not what he said. No, that means that if you are going to make it through four rounds of playoff hockey, two months of playoff hockey, and win the cup, almost certainly you are an actually good team. If you make it through two, you can suck and make it through two. The goddamn Ottawa Senators, the year before they were a dumpster fire, got to overtime of game seven of round three. You can be bad and go far. You're probably not going to win it all, but you can go far because hockey's pretty random. That said, if you're going to go four rounds, you're probably pretty damn good, actually. There's nothing random about Eric Carlson being the best player in the league when he was healthy. Like, that's why they did it. That's why they Did you look at the rest of their team? The rest yeah. of the team, though, Bill. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but, when you ha- but when half of the game is played by literally the most effective player in hockey, like, you're probably going to have success, which they did. Well, then why did they stink the next season and have to blow the whole damn thing up because they were so goddamn bad? Because he got hurt. I don't believe he got hurt. I think he just got traded. He was. He, uh, what or no, he didn't him? get traded. He got traded the next offseason. I'm yeah. thinking about Mark Stone. 
Because he played, because he had to carry a whole team through a fucking playoffs where you're allowed to kill each other, so he's not healthy anymore. Like, that's what happened. There's, like, a direct line to, like, what happened in those playoffs, and then what happened to him overall. He was hurt in those playoffs. Okay. Sure, Bill. Ottawa traded Mark happened. Stone and Eric Carlson. How the, yeah, like, how the fuck wasn't that team better? <laughs> like, did you look at the rest of the roster? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than build around those two players, they were like, eh, nah, nah, we're good, fam. I love when Bill yells at someone that's not me. me this too. is fun. I was getting nervous, though, about the boys fighting. It was making me uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. The I'm just thing- saying that, like, the, the idea that the Islanders, like, yes, the Islanders are a good team. But the Islanders, in my mind, because they got to the Final Four two years in a row, it doesn't make them this, like, paragon of everything that, you know, this is how you fucking win in playoff hockey. No. They're a good team that got some good luck, and that's what happens in playoff hockey. You're a good team. You try, you put yourself in position, and you hope that the breaks go your way, and the breaks have went their way. And you know what? I don't think they're good enough for the breaks to go their way long enough for them to beat, you know, in a row for them to beat Tampa and then one of Colorado or Vegas. I do not think they are a good enough team to do that. If they are, and if they do, and if they win it all, I will be forced to adjust my view of how damn good the Islanders are. But until that happens, I will view them as a second-tier team that happened to, in two straight years, basically get enough breaks to break into the first tier from a result standpoint. But until they do, say- they, they, all, the, all, all the evidence tells me that they are a second-tier contender. They're not a top-tier contender. And until they start beating top-tier contenders, I'm not going to view them as a top-tier contender. I will say that Tampa, of all the teams remaining, Tampa, to me, poses the biggest obstacle for the Islanders because they can play both ways. If you want to play wide open with Tampa, uh, yeah, they can beat you that way. Look at their fucking roster. And if you want to play a tight game with Tampa, yeah, they can beat you that way too because, like, look at their fucking roster. Like, so... Uh, well, they I, did it last year against the Islanders. Yeah, no, I, like, I, again, I don't <laughs> think the Islanders are the best team in the league. I don't think teams should try to replicate it. I do think their specific blend of players and coach works really well and... After two straight years in the Final Four, we have to kind of just give in and go, you know what? We're a little bit wrong about them. They're better than we think. Do I think they're beating Tampa? No, because Tampa's fucking amazing. Look at them. They've been to the Final Four like five of the last seven years. Like, this is who Tampa is. That's how good they are. Uh, But, uh, like, we don't even need to get into Tampa because they're probably winning the Cup at this point. Uh, Vegas and Colorado are just going to beat the shit out of themselves the next night or two. So let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens. They fell down three. Oh, I thought you were setting yourself up for Vegas and Colorado, but all right, have. Ah, we'll get to that because I want to get everyone's winner and everything. We're gonna wrap because that game's tonight. We're, we'll get to that. Montreal okay. fell what down three. Fell down three one to the uh, juggernaut Toronto Maple Leafs, and then the leaves. Um, leaves. Oh, they'll be the Leafs when they fucking win around to the playoffs. That's a, it's a completely fair point. They're the Dale Weisses. They're the Dale Weisses of the goddamn North Division. Um, <laughs> so they fall down three-one to the Leaves, and then they insert our old friend Eric Gustafson into the lineup and go on to win seven straight fucking hockey games. Now, of course, our uh, Gus Bus version two 
is uh, he's playing 10 minutes a night, and he's got a goal and two assists. Of course, he opens the scoring in the deciding game, which was just just chef's kiss. Uh, it's just perfection. I, I had to, I just had to give it a look and look at his advanced stats, and it's 10 minutes a night in seven games, so like it's basically meaningless. But he's got a he's got a pretty nice sixty nine point four one Corsi four percentage, and I just have to laugh. I just what else can you do other than blow your fucking brains out? I just have to laugh. How like so? It's a can pretty we just des- pretty miserable can, existence. Can we just decide that this show the, the the theme of this show is Bill trolls everyone? I because that is every every single topic, every single topic you've brought up is meant to troll Flyers fans, particularly ones you listen Islanders, to the show. How are the Islanders are a troll? They won two series. That's just the fact. Because they because they beat the Flyers last year in the playoffs, and because there's a significant contingent of Flyers fans on Twitter, particularly they like to hold up the Islanders as just like this is everything the Flyers should be, which well, is those annoying. People are as hell. insane. Like I'm sorry that you interact with these people. I ignore them. Like, uh, everyone, (laughs) there's fucking crazies everywhere. I'm not saying the Islanders are like the be-all, end-all. I just think they play a style that they've perfected. Like, good for them. Everyone should be great at something. Like, whether you're a a high-flying team, a team like the Islanders, a team that gets by on goaltending, you need to be great at one thing the Islanders are. That's the last I'll say about the Islanders. Now, I just want to talk about the Habs and... Last year, we got a look at them in the playoffs against the Flyers, and the Flyers were clearly the better better team, but we got a little preview of their... They're feisty, man, and when Carey Price is on, I mean, he's Carey fucking Price. They're really tough to beat, and now uh, they look like they're building something up there, which I did not think was the case 12, 15, 18 months ago. Like, I kind of like what they have up there a little bit. They're fun to See, watch. It kind of makes me angry. Yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, it's super annoying to me that Carey Price can be extremely average for the entire regular season and yeah. then just, like, decide. Nah, I'm just going to be Carey Price again. I'm just going to do this now. And, like, in an extremely calm way. But they, um, it's interesting that you say all that good stuff because I follow a few Habs fans on Twitter.com and see a lot of, like, complaints about their coaching and complaints about like roster shortcomings like obviously right now they're having a lot of fun but like at the beginning of the playoffs and particularly when they went down three to one there was like a whole lot of complaining about the way that team is constructed and the coaching staff in particular they you know were calling for what's his face's guy fieri's head up there because they were so pissed off um yeah they're surprisingly fun and there's a lot of likable guys on that team which is annoying like I don't know how you cannot just like love Cole Caulfield like I've never seen such a joyful human being in my life it's just crazy he's like 12 years old I know everything is exciting when you're 12 exactly like life has not completely destroyed him yet so he's very happy about everything and it's really fun to watch it's stunning yeah so so here's the thing yeah I uh alright go ahead go ahead Oh, my turn now. I just hate them uh, because that series from last year was so miserable. And I am still rooting for Shea Weber to be a Flyers. <laughs> um, which is not serious, but oh, they do need him. So do it. Uh, I, I just, the, the series was so miserable 
that I'm holding a grudge against all of Montreal. The Flyers won, but yeah, but it was it was painful. That's what the playoffs and are. I don't pain. I don't like emotional pain. I don't like it. Pain, it's not and then fun maybe you me. win. Like that's what the playoffs are. Mm. What's up, Joe? What, uh, oh, go ahead, no, that's it. Go ahead, Charlie. Right, what'd you have, Charlie? Yeah. So the thing with the halves, and this was something that was annoying me after the like right after they won the Winnipeg series, you know, and it was like there was a lot of people on Twitter, you know, a lot of like smart people who were just sort of like the Habs aren't good. Don't be fooled. The Habs suck. You know, it was it was the division, you know, that's the only reason why they wouldn't have even made the playoffs in a normal year. I think the Habs are good. Like do I think the Habs are are an elite team? No, they're not. And I think they're going to lose in the next round. But the Habs are a lot better than I think people give them credit for. Like I love their offseason. I thought they made a lot of really good moves. I thought they 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 addressed pretty much all their weaknesses. You know, the Josh Anderson contract was too much, but in the short term, it was great move. I mean, he helps them in the short term. Tyler DeFoley contract was great. Like they did a lot. They 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 got a backup goalie who's pretty good. Like they did a lot of things that you're like they got better. And then this year was kind of a mess because they started out real strong and then they had that that, you know, period where they sucked and they fire fire Claude Julien and they had to break in a new coach. So things got all weird and Carey Price is mediocre. But like the thing with Montreal is that they're a really good 5 on 5 team. And it shocks me that a lot of people who normally would would think like, yeah, if you're a good 5 on 5 team, you're probably a good team. Look at the Habs and they're like, no, they suck. If you look at the, the Montreal Canadiens over the last two seasons, so not just this year in the Canadian division, which clearly inflated everybody's numbers that was in that division. Over the last two seasons, the Montreal Canadiens have the fourth best Corsi 4 percentage in hockey and the fourth best expected goals percentage in hockey at 5-on-5. Five five. The only three teams that have better expected goals 4 percentages than the Montreal Canadiens at 5-on-5 five five are the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's it. They are the fourth best, and those are probably the three best teams in hockey. Montreal's fourth. They're the fourth best team wow. at driving shot, driving chance differential in hockey. They're better than the Leafs. They're better than the Canes. They're better than the Bruins. They're better than the fucking Islanders. They're better than the Caps. They're a good team. The, their two big weaknesses during the regular season of the past two regular seasons were this. Number one, their power play sucks. And that's a problem that's going to remain a problem unless Cole Caulfield becomes this like power play god, which is possible. Because the reason why that's such a problem is because they just don't have stars. Like they are a depth team. They have a bunch of like they basically are a team of a bunch of really good second liners up front. And they kind of were hoping like, well, maybe the fact that we have Shea Weber blasting shots from the point will save our power play. And it doesn't because that's not how you score on the power play, especially when Shea Weber is 37. I don't know how old he is anymore. Maybe when he was 26, it would have worked. So their power play isn't good, so that cuts down on their scoring upside. Number two is that Carey Price hasn't been playing well. In the regular season the past couple years, Carey Price has been mediocre too bad. Well, the thing is, is that you hit the playoffs. If Carey Price every year can just, like, flip the switch and turn back into Carey Price in the playoffs, that solves one of their two big problems. And then the power play issue in the playoffs maybe isn't even that big of a deal because they don't call as many penalties. So, like, the Habs are a weird team because the 5-on-5 play is great. It gets dragged down by the fact that their goalie hasn't been good. But if in the playoffs, like... 
Carey Price, I'm sorry I'm, I'm hogging the spotlight here, but the thing that fascinates me about Carey Price is this. We do these player polls every year, you know, where we literally just interview as many players as possible, ask them questions anonymously. And one of the questions we always ask at the Athletic is, "Who's the best goalie in hockey? Who do you who do you think is the best goalie in hockey? Toughest goalie to score on?" Invariably, they all pick Price. He always wins. And you know, a lot of us people in media and people in analytics like kind of like stand back and scoff, like, "Ha ha, these dumb players." You know, they're they're still you know they still think Price is the goalie he was five years ago. Maybe they're not dumb. Maybe. Maybe they're the ones who play the fucking games, and they know how hard it is to score on Carey Price when Carey Price is really, really locked in. And maybe a goalie that's that talented, he's getting older. Maybe, and this is just a theory, maybe he's just learning that, like, I need to save it for when it matters. Yeah. And maybe because he's a generational goalie, he can actually do that. And if he can, if he can do this every year where he's just like, just okay in the in the regular season, you know, he doesn't kill them, but he's not great. And then the playoffs roll around and it's like, all right, it's go time. I'm back to being the 925 save percentage goalie that I am true talent wise. The Habs are going to be a problem for a lot of teams to beat in the playoffs because they have the strong underlying core of we will outshoot and outchance most teams. I'm done with my rant, but that's my defense of the Montreal Canadiens. And I just want to touch on the price thing real quick. Just like, um, in terms of hard to score on, like Carter Hart gets a lot of those carry price uh, comparisons because they're both like more technicians. They're more that style than like a like a Bobrovsky or Hasek style, like athlete goalie. And like when, like you said, when locked in, like is it does he play that way all the time? No, but when locked in. If he just gives you nothing to shoot at, yeah, he's the fucking hardest to score on because you're looking at him and you just only see pads. Like, there's no white behind him. Like, so it, it does make sense that the players who see that, like, even if it's not every game anymore, when they see him on and go, yeah, I looked up and just saw him and no net, so it was impossible to score. Like, I, I can see how they come to that conclusion, even if, like, numbers-wise every year he's not a Vezina goalie anymore. I just think at some point, like, especially when it comes to evaluating goalies, maybe we should stop being so, like, we're smarter than the players. Like, That's true. There's a, there's yeah. a damn good chance they know shit we don't. And when it comes to, like, I'm skating down the wing and I'm worried I'm not going to beat this goalie, maybe we should trust them that Carey Price is still really good at hockey. I agree. I've, nothing has really pissed me off across the board more than people saying that Carey Price is washed. Like, well, he guys, the, he's the thing is until fine. he he was starting to look like shit. So it was like kind of like a fair. It was like when Bill used to say, "Is Claude Giroux declining?" Because he kind of looked like he was, oh. but then he wasn't. And Carey Price started. I, I, he was starting to look a little. Carey bit, Price was looking was looking average. Yes, he was and looking that's not bad like, for him. Exactly, he wasn't looking bad, but he was looking not like Carey Price. So I think it was fair to say, hmm, maybe they shouldn't have given him that giant long contract, or hmm, maybe he's not going to be a Hall of Fame caliber goalie for the entire length of his career because that's really hard to do. But then he turns well, it right back on, and we're that's all different done. though. Saying that they shouldn't have given him that giant contract is is one thing, but saying that he's washed is a completely other. Well, if he's getting paid like an elite goaltender and he isn't one, like that's washed. 
Um, I w- like, something that's really interested me because I find myself falling into it with Price and the Habs now. Um, like Price when he was young, it's like, oh, he's the next great goalie, and it's you know it's the Canadiens. They think they're the Yankees, so they're like they're the heels, they're the bad guys. He was this young stud that everyone thought was going to be the next thing, and everyone kind of reveled in his early career, uh, you know, struggles in the playoffs. Do you find yourself kind of rooting for Carey Price a little now that he's, like, older? And like we said, like, not the best regular seasons, but learn- he's turning it on in the playoffs. We saw it last year against the Flyers. This year he's been outstanding. Like, do you find yourself rooting for Price a little bit? I have absolutely nothing against Carey Price. I yeah. mean, I-, I wouldn't say that, like, you know, he's one of my favorite players in hockey, but I have never heard anything well, bad about the guy. Player, yeah. I've never heard anything bad about the guy, and he's really good at what he does. No, I mean, I like Carey Price. I, I have no problems rooting for Carey Price. Yeah, I don't have any problems with him. From what I know and from what I hear, he's actually a pretty amazing human being. Yeah. He also cracks me up. Like, he's just so, like, flat all the time that like <laughs> he'll play like an outstanding hockey game where he just like shuts down guys left and right and then he'll come out and be like yeah it was it was fun it's cool yeah i think yeah I, I played some hockey I, I think and this is kind of cool because like he does i don't think he like super publicizes this um because he's like like most hockey players a pretty low-key guy um but if i remember correctly i believe he has like first nations heritage and he does and he does a lot of work in that community like basically like fostering hockey because obviously like you know there's not a ton of first nation players in the nhl but he does a lot of work like with kids in that community so like i I've, i've heard i've heard stories about that so it seems like he's legitimately a good dude Yeah, I was going to mention that, but I was looking up um, whether I was right or not. And especially with the the First Nations community having such a traumatic year about the the residential schools and and the the mass graves that were found. um, Having someone like Carrie Price, who is so active in the community and then having success, I think it, it... you know, as as little as sports matter when life happens like this, I still think it's it's nice for the community to have him to look up to. And just to put a funny bow on the Habs conversation, Shea Weber is almost 36. He's got five years left on his contract. And in keeping with the uh, the conversation of things we were wrong about, man, remember that Subban for Weber trade? How, how hard we oh, laughed yeah. at that yeah. one? That, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little, little egg on the old uh, face on that one. Uh, who haven't we Yeah, that, on? that worked out pretty pretty oh. damn well for uh, for Montreal, to be it honest. It seems to have. Although I will say that, like, I, I will say, Shea though, Weber in fair. No, no, no. Well, I mean, he's not as good as he used to be, obviously. He's older. But the point I'll make is that, like, I don't think Nashville lost that trade either. Because, yeah. like, they got, a, they got a lot of good years out of PK. And they kind of yeah. moved him at the perfect time. No, they got they got out of. They both. really did. Looking back, that was perfect. Yeah, they got yeah, out. They of they, both. they they cashed out at the perfect time with him. They got out of two contracts they had no intention of paying. Like, good for them. <laughs> that that's what happened. They got the best out of both of them, and then we're like, fuck it, we're not paying either of you. Uh, so it all kind of worked out. Um, Colorado Vegas game six tonight. Uh, the Avs got out to a 2-0 series lead. Vegas has won three straight. Do your Glitter Knights wrap it up tonight, Steph, or does this go seven? 
I really want it to go seven because this is a fun series. Uh, but I think I think tonight is the end of it. I think Vegas wins. It's been really surprising to me, like just how dominant Vegas has been in this like, season. Like really surprising to me. They're Game a really one, good team. I know they're really yeah. good, but like I didn't expect that they would just like completely turn off the Nathan McKinnon cheat codes. Like it, it's yeah. They really have just like figured out how to shut that team down, and it's it's pretty and wild. I mean, like, when they don't shut him down, a guy named Marc-Andre Fleury is there. Yeah. And that kind of is a cheat code killer right there. Like, game one, obviously, they start Robin Lehner. They kind of punt on the game. Like, they're coming out of their series. Colorado's been sitting there rested. Game one wasn't uh, competitive. Game two, if not for a weekish slashing call in overtime... Vegas kind of controlled that game, and they've kind of controlled the series. I thought Colorado played great first two periods of game uh, game five, but then they just totally gave it away period three. I can't believe Vegas has carried as much of this series as they have. Uh, I, it's more even than I thought, and like coming in, I was like, Colorado isn't so much better, even though I think they are, but Vegas has carried so much more than I expected. Yeah, so I expected Je- it to be close, but not like this. Well, uh, Jesse Granger of The Athletic, a great website, um, <laughs> did a uh, had a really good article a couple days ago. It might have been yesterday. Um, basically about how Mark Stone has been oh my God. The, the player in this God, series. Not insane. just because like, obviously he had the game winner in overtime in, in Game 5, which was you know the pivotal game of the series. But it's not that even so. It's, it's the fact that they've started to match him up against McKinnon as much as possible and he has shut him down like that that's really what's turned this series is that Stone is going head to head with Nathan McKinnon and he's winning like McKinnon the numbers between like McKinnon against Stone and then McKinnon against anyone else on the Golden Knights it's wild like Stone is legitimately shutting down Nathan McKinnon and that whole line and if, if McKinnon isn't McKinnon, Colorado isn't Colorado. Yeah. And I honestly didn't think that there was a player in the league that really could, on a night-overnight basis, really shut down Nathan McKinnon. And I certainly didn't think if there was a player that it was going to be a winger. And like I am, I am a huge Mark Stone fan. I voted, I voted for Mark Stone before for the Selkie. He was one of my top three candidates this year when I voted for my ballot. So like I think the world of Mark Stone. I did not think Mark Stone could shut down Nathan McKinnon. And for basically three straight games, he's done it. And it's been it's been wild. Like Mark Stone is having an absolute monster series, and in my mind, he's the biggest reason why Vegas has turned this series back in their favor. Oh, one hundred percent. If they end up to go on to win the cup, like he is the easy Con Smythe winner. I, I wanted opinion. to ask about Con Smythe because, man, it just eight straight years uh, we've had a skater win it. Really feels like a goalie's getting it this year. I mean, you could make the argument for sure. Like if if Vegas goes on to win, Flurry, I think is a an arguable choice, and, and then he's Vasilevsky just so, like, is also sure. He's yeah. so beloved. Like you price, always have to yeah. you always have to think about the voters too. And like Mark mm-hmm. Stone, great player, people like him, but like he should have a selkie by now, and he doesn't. Um, maybe Flurry is just yeah, more, and, and he he doesn't. He's a winger. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and Stone does. He doesn't have the points. Like yeah. he's done a great job at shut you know shut down. But he's got eight points in twelve games. Like that's not eye popping. Maybe he goes on. You know, if Vegas beats Colorado. Maybe he scores a ton of points against. Um, they they play they play Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. So yeah. maybe he maybe he lights up Carey Price. Who knows? But um, but I could see Flurry. I mean, yeah. he's just been so good. He's had such a good year. His numbers in the playoffs are great. Yeah, I mean that would that would make sense to me if they give it to Flurry. But like we're we're two rounds in, you know. There's yeah. so much that can change in the next two rounds. You know, a guy could have a monster Stanley Cup final, and then it's a no-brainer, and we don't even know who's going to be in the Stanley Cup final at this point. But yeah, I mean Flurry, Flurry's been wild. Like it, it's almost like in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that big of a deal that Flurry is having this incredible year because they have two like. If he wasn't going to have an incredible year, like, Robin Lehner's really good, too. So it's not like they didn't have a backup plan. But I did not think that that that, that Marc-Andre Fleury had another Marc-Andre Fleury season left in him, considering his age. But he's been great since the start of the season. I mean, he's been one of the best goalies in hockey. Very well could win the Vesna. It's amazing, the career resurgence that he's had. And I know that I talk about this a lot, but no, it's incredible. shit. It, it really, I like even it blows last year, my he mind. Didn't look like he, like he, he looked like he was, yeah. Like last season, Laner took his job. I mean, yeah. they almost traded him in the off season. Flurry again yeah. because it was like, well, you know, do we really want to, you know, pay two goalies this much money? And yes, they kept Flurry, <laughs> and Flurry is now maybe the best goalie in hockey again. Yeah, the answer is yes. We do want to pay them because they might win the cup this year, and I think. I think that there's a really good chance, guys. Who, uh, who's that? I know I'd say that every year. No, but I mean, but. look, it's, at this point, they have the series lead with a chance to close out at home at a 100% capacity Vegas tonight. Um, and then. And we know what that building feels yeah, like. Yeah, and listen, like, I, I'm rooting for the aisles and all that. Carrie Price is amazing with the Habs. It's a fun little thing, but. It's Tampa and Vegas at that point. That's what we're that's what we're looking at probably. And fuck, that's a great series with two outstanding veteran goaltenders there. Uh, man, that could be a lot of fun. Even though like maybe not a high scoring series. Someone want to talk about with Mark Stone before we wrap up this? Uh, before we wrap up the playoff convo. Um, yes, that game winner in overtime, amazing the other night. Can we talk about fucking Graves? Spending 10 minutes firing shots into shin pads. Yeah. Like, the whole not third great. period in over... Not not just the play that ended the game, but the entire third period in overtime, Graves is just firing slappers into shin pads. Like, I, I, fucking... Kelly, as an Avs backer, this yep. is just... This is just... God damn it. What are we doing? It's, it's really annoying. It's annoying when... When a team is so dominant for so long, like the entire regular season and then also the entirety of the playoffs up until now, and then they just like stop being for whatever reason. Like normally it's because the other team is also really good and so you can't do the stuff that you were doing before, but it is very frustrating. I really was just hoping that they were going to sail through. I mean, I didn't think the Vegas series was going to be easy for them, but I was really hoping they were going to sail right through the final, but... Guess not. After they got up, well, I mean, oh, they're they're not they're they're not in bad shape. Like they're not like no. yeah, they're down three two. 
But three two is far from an insurmountable. Deficit. Oh, for sure. I mean, they win. They win game six. Suddenly, it's game seven, and anything can happen. Game like, this seven. Is, you know, I can't tell you how many times back in the late nineties, like I thought that like the Avs were toast because they were down three two, or like the Red Wings were toast because they were down three two, and then they went two straight. Like it happens all the time. It's just that the. It's just for me the that Vegas has really dominated play in games two through five. That it makes yeah. me. Well, five, I think five was even. Yeah, five was pretty even. It was it, more even. Three and true. four. Three and four were pure Vegas yeah. domination. I mean, yeah. those games. That was Vegas took, and that's probably the biggest concern for Colorado is that now they're going back to Vegas, mm-hmm. where Vegas just took it to them for the entirety of those games. Like that's the concern. Also, I want to make one point about Ryan Graves. That's all I got to say about him. Uh oh. Once a Ranger, always a Ranger, buddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking got him fucking like Say, fuck you bro i really yeah. like after game two where i thought vegas played so well but lost i was like they don't have a chance but then they came home but now the abs like we said they're in a situation if they're able to win tonight which is a huge if now you're game seven at home and you're getting kadri back like that's a oh that's yeah a huge boost. forgot about kadri yeah forgot about that yes. guy like we talk about matchups and how big stone has been taking away mckinnon like yeah and they also don't have their depth. Like, that suspension is coming up. Not that he, I'm not, like, saying he didn't deserve it or whatever. Like, you can't hit people in the head. You got what you deserved. You do this all the time. You should probably cut it the fuck out. Um, like, that's killing them right now. Not being able to have that, not being able to have that middle six depth. Not being able to play those matchups. I'm just, man, I, my heart it is, just, hol- it is. It is hilarious to me. How Three many times, times Nazem Kadri gets Three himself times. suspended for the playoffs? I I just, it, there's something about him that I always just feel like he doesn't really mean to. He really doesn't <laughs> seem to mean to. And you like the Leafs. Maybe. I That's don't know. I, yeah. I, I have always been very fond of Nazem Kadri, but it always just seems like every time he does it. Like, he's done it so many times that he should be, like, almost at Tom Wilson level in my mind. Like, I feel like I should not like him because he keeps doing this. But every time he does it, he's always like, I did it. I mean, too. And then I, I kind mean, of believe it's him. It's like Bill with Racco Gudis when Gudis was a flyer. Like, Bill was always <laughs> he, like, well, you know, when he, he tried to decapitate that person, it was just a mistake. He, he was like, just falling. He pulled the Jeremiah Trotter, like, swinging the axe. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, but, like. When you really look at it, it was like, no. He just <laughs> tried down to, the video. He just tried to fucking decapitate somebody. No, but like, there will be something. He turned his stick into a guillotine. Yeah, he just I watched will... a lot of Game of Thrones that week, okay? Yeah, That's all. Just, he wanted just his sword. to Ned Stark a guy. Fucking Ned Stark. Yeah. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't want, want a sword. sword. <laughs> like, I will, like, there will be something poetic because Kadri has got himself suspended for the Game 7s while he was in, um... In, in Toronto, if he's if they win tonight, he is going to be the hero of this Game 7. Like, mark it down. I'm going to bet on Kadri to score in Game 7 if we get there. Uh, I'm just hoping for, like, triple overtime tonight, though, either way. Even me, the person who can't stay awake past 10 p.m. because I'm the oldest person alive, I, too, <laughs> am hoping for a very exciting long hockey game this evening. You look great for the oldest person alive. Like, Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. You're like 112. Can <laughs> <I> confirm. <laughs> In my soul, yes. All right. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break and then run through some flyer shit. Because oh, God, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 
Yes. The playoffs are fun. Like, they're good. Like, I actually want to talk about them. It's not like this fucking team we're about to talk about. All right, we'll get there. Oh, right. Uh, let's take a quick mm. commercial break. All right, fam, welcome back. And we have some uh, some Philadelphia Flyers news items to get Ew. to. Uh, as Stephalicious, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver uh, was just so adamant about, so confident in. In the Perrier is the Phantoms coach, just like she said would happen. Don't check the tape on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I have no, I have no personal problem with Anne Le Perrier, and maybe like a bench boss is different than a penalty kill coach or like mm. specific, like a specific thing that the team is bad at, and like also the team had bad players. Let us not forget that when the penalty kill was bad, but. Optically, this guy has done nothing but fail as the penalty kill coach. The team was good, and the coaching staff was good the year he wasn't on the bench. Then he rejoins the bench, and the team is bad again. Um, why is he the Phantoms coach? But you see, William, he once blocked a shot. Twice, in face fact. In a game that the Flyers went on to win. And therefore, can do no wrong. I honestly don't care. Like, I really don't care who's coaching the Phantoms. It's not that important to me. I mean, like, it is, but it is. It's just, it's just annoying that they keep rewarding failure because the team is failing. And it would be nice if perhaps instead of just continuing to recycle the same guys that have been around while the team's been shit, maybe we get some new guys that won't be shit. Like, I don't know. It's just a, a crazy idea that I had, but. Where's Bill day, Barber? Right? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to me. And also, it means that he's not on the Flyers bench anymore. So that's a eh, plus. That's a fair point. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really Addition care. Addition by subtraction. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care either. But, you know, if we're using the Phantoms as a feeder team to the Flyers, then it makes sense to have somebody who knows the Flyers system and is intimately familiar with the Flyers system to be teaching the prospects and the guys who are going to be called up. Like, that makes sense. Um, you know, that being said, we have a lot of data that says Lappy is not a good coach. Like, we have that data. So I think it'll be really interesting to see who his assistant coaches end up being because if they end up being, you know... I was going to say the next uh, Knobloch, but, you know, he was also a failure. But Bring if they end up Kote. being really good assistant coaches, then it may all work out. I don't think that this is going to be a disaster because, you know, he was obviously in over his head at the NHL level. Maybe it'll be better at the AHL level. I don't know. I don't think it'll be a disaster. I just don't think it was the best move for the organization. Okay, so I have I, I have thoughts. First, first I have thoughts, and then I have a fun little game that I want to play. And it's actually it's actually not going to go, I think, in the direction you guys think. But first, I want I want to I want to present my thoughts. My my number one thought is that I'm more than willing to give Lappy a shot here. You know, sure. do I think he did a good job coaching the penalty kill? You know, the years he coached penalty kill, no. And, and I was very, very, very vocal about that. That I thought that he should be replaced as penalty kill coach, that his track record was terrible and whatnot. 
the other roles that he's had in the organization, he's he's had a development role, you know, then over the past couple of years, he's done this like eye in the sky, pre-scouting, give the coaches advice role, while he's also kind of served as like liaison between the coaches, the other coaches and the players because he has that ability to build relationships, the players like him. All that stuff, it's hard for me to say whether he's good or bad at it. Because, like, obviously you hear things, you hear that the players really like him. But, like, that's all stuff that can only really be judged behind closed doors. And behind closed doors, they think very highly of Ian LaPerriere. So it's possible that he's very good at the stuff that we as fans and analysts of the team cannot really objectively measure because we just don't have the information to measure. We know he wasn't good at coaching a penalty kill. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bad head coach. It could mean he could be a bad head coach. He might be bad at this. He might be bad at X's and O's. He might just not be good at this. But I don't think his track record necessarily confirms to me that he's definitely going to fail as a head coach at the AHL level. We'll see. I'm more than willing to give him a shot. He's a good dude. You know, he he's he's obviously done you know you know done a lot you know in terms of. Being in the organization for a while, coming up from, you know, from sort of the ground floor, you know, after his playing career, obviously there was the shot he took to the face, which, you know, sort of endeared him, not just to the fan base, but to the organization at large. So I'm willing to give Lappy a shot. Let's see how it goes. Now I'm going to play a game because this, this is something that popped into my head after Lappy got, officially got the job. So I'm going to give you a description of a coach, okay? This coach... Retired from his playing career. His first job was with the team that, that he you know, was most associated with in a developmental role. He eventually got a job as an assistant coach for that team, for that NHL team. And he ran a special teams unit that finished in the bottom third of the league for the majority of his time coaching that unit. Then he was given a head coaching job. And this head coach, this, this coach, I guess at the time, the best thing he had going for him in terms of resume builder was that he was a great at connecting with players. He was, you know, a positive attitude and he knew how to get the most out of guys because of his general demeanor and approach to hockey. That fits every single thing that Ian LaPerriere has. What coach am I talking about? Is it Rod? It is Rod Brindamore. Rod the fucking bot. He is an outstanding coach. Rod Brindamore, when he got the job in Carolina, had just coached the Carolina power play to like a 21st and 24th rank in the previous two years. And I very clearly remember Hmm. Canes fans being like, is this guy even good at this? Like, does he even have a track record that tells me that he can coach hockey, that he's not just like a rah, 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 get them all pumped up kind of guy that everybody likes? And now he's one of the best coaches in hockey. So you never hmm. know. No, you, you do never really know. never know. Rod, come home. Uh, Seriously, that's his. Home. So Ian maybe Perri- Lappy, maybe Lappy is our Rod Brendamore. Maybe. Ian Lapierre is the Ooh, next Rod okay, Brendamore. Well, let's not get crazy here. Per Charles O'Connor, put it on the record. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. He's I would absolutely go... love nothing more than that. To be honest with you. Yeah. He's going to have to go real hard on the fucking Rogaine to be the next Rod Brendamore. Um, <laughs> no, listen, this is, we all know, we all know Lappy's track record here. We all know everything we've said about him on the bench the last few years within the organization. 
So we don't need to go over that again. I really like that comparable there, Chuck. I think it does set a good, hey, you never know, sort of standard. What I'll say about it is, regardless of what you think of what this team needs, like personnel-wise, characteristic-wise, they do need to be tougher. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think they need to acquire fucking Ryan Reeves. I just think, as a, as a whole, the roster needs to be tougher. And who the fuck is tougher than Ann LaPerriere? If he can instill that in them young, just a little bit of culture, uh, a little bit of toughness, like, I think that could go a long way into turning out some of these players that maybe we haven't seen turn out before. Like, we've talked about what Ron Hextall drafted and, like, what we lack in star power he made up for with depth and these guys who can play in your middle and bottom six and we're just going to be able to rotate these guys in. Well, that hasn't really happened. In fact, we've had abject failures with fucking Rubsov and uh, Vorobiev and all these guys who can't actually play, it seems. Um, maybe a little bit of that just, like, grit. Uh, a little bit of that fucking Flyers mentality from when they're in the AHL can maybe just give them that little bit of extra to be able to fill those roles in the NHL. That's what I'm hoping for. If there's a, if he puts a little bit of that Ian LaPerriere style in the guys who have some upside, maybe we can actually develop a bit of a tougher team. Okay, but is Ryan Reeves on the table? <laughs> oh, I'd take him. Trust me, I'd take him. <laughs> I want him. I'm just saying, like, they, they have a lot to do. Let's not waste time on Ryan Reeves. But if they can go get him, go get him. <laughs> sure. Like, I'm not upset about it. There's him. just, like, maybe... there's only... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe there is something to, like, a little bit of, like, rah-rah, we're all on the same team camaraderie when you're developing young players. Like, maybe there's something to that. Professional best friend might be a good head coach for a bunch of kids. I don't think it hurts. Yeah. Because the adversarial I, I thing is, like, fucking tired, in my opinion. Like, Yeah. There's another aspect of this that I don't think has been publicized maybe enough um, about the Ian LaPerriere hire to, to coach the AHL team is that I don't think Scott Gordon is a bad coach. You know, I think his track record speaks for himself. He's had a lot of success at the AHL level. He clashed with a lot of guys on the Phantoms. Like, him, him from what I understand, like, him and... Nicholas Albeck-Hubel weren't getting along by the end before he got called up. I don't think him and Alex Lyon got along that well. Like, he's clashed with guys. And what's the general thing about, like, coach making coaching changes at the NHL level? You know, you, you, have, a, you have a player's coach, so you replace him with a hard-ass. You have a hard-ass, you replace him with a rah-rah positive guy. I think there might be an element to that here where it's like, okay, you know, Scott was kind of, you know, he had his guys and he had his guys he didn't like and there was, you know, some tension there. So maybe we replace that atmosphere with the Ian LaPerriere atmosphere down there, mm. which, well, I think LaPerriere is absolutely going to hold guys accountable. Like he made it very clear in his, in his presser that, like, guys are going to have to be in shape and he's going to push them on that. But Lappy's very vocal about that he wants to foster a positive atmosphere. And that might have played into this. Is like, well, you know, we're going to change it up. We're going to make the atmosphere in Lehigh Valley different than it's been recently. Yeah, I've definitely heard that at the end, uh, Scott Gordon really didn't have any friends left in that locker room. 
But like that, and that's the thing. Like you know, you have a guy like, for example, like Torts. You know, usually you fire Torts and you get like a nicer guy. And you know, maybe there was something to it in, in like, this case. As much as I want a coach who's a hard ass and holds his players accountable, I also don't want them frustrated before they're even up here. You know, mm-hmm. like I kind of want them feeling good about the organization and their place in it before before we ruin yeah like they're gonna get ruined don't get me wrong one way or another it's gonna go bad but let's like let them be happy young men first i just don't i mean i never played the game so you know i don't actually know anything but in my head is that true there doesn't seem to like what is the benefit of having like an entire roster hate the head coach because that does seem to be a strategy for some of these guys, like a lot of these coaches seem to want to foster a situation in which they are the enemy and the players are all, you know, just fighting against them. And it's like, I don't like, they're what is united. the benefit there? Is that because what it is? Yeah, they're, they're united, united in their against the fucking coach, which can go either way because, right. you know, you can unite and prove him wrong or you can unite and get him fucking fired by playing like shit. Like so, it can it can really go either way. Yeah, you can you you can win the nineteen eighty Olympic games, or yeah. you can you know mutiny on your coach and get him fired. It's just like One when you when you watch those videos of Rod Brindamore in the locker room, and then you see how much fun the Carolina Hurricanes appear to be having with each other and in the games. Like I don't know why that wouldn't be the goal. But again, well, because boomers don't think that fun has a place at work. No, yeah, like, like that's is, what we're that's looking true. at with the old school that's coaches. Like, why true. are you having fun? You're here to work. You're here to win. I'm not your friend. I'm your coach. I, I mean, they, hockey fans are like this as well. So they didn't get to fight they, in World you're not War wrong. II, so they turned sports into warfare. Like that's <laughs> that's really how I don't get it. me started. Sports has always been glorified war. Oh, don't. Well, yeah, sure. I mean. Uh, we've got to go in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Don't get me started. No, we're wrapping up. Uh, real quick, Felix Sandstrom. What the fuck happened there? Oh my God. Gone. People made. I would also like to he know. He was what gone the fuck. and now he is back. People are making a real big deal about this on the line. And I truly don't understand why anyone. Well, I think it's much. just because we're being told two different things within 24 hours. And I'm totally fine with that. But I just want to know what the fuck is going on. Like, what's actually happening? Well, I mean. The initial reports were from Europe. You know, they were not from Fucking Europe. the Flyers. They were from Europe. They were from Finland, basically saying that Sandstrom had signed with a Finnish team. My understanding, and, and I, I suspect there's probably more to this because the timing, the timing strikes me as weird. But my understanding is that Sandstrom a while ago basically agreed to a deal in principle with this Finnish team that like, hey, if the Flyers don't want me back next year, I will go play for you. And then Sandstrom had a good finish of the year, and the Flyers apparently decided they wanted him back. Now, the timing is interesting to me because I kind of wonder if, like, I wonder if Sandstrom's camp leaked that info Mm. to try to push the Flyers to sign Sandstrom rather than drag their feet. Maybe it was just random. You know, maybe that just got out there, and the Flyers were always planning to sign him, and that just things happen when they happen. But... The, the, the timing of it strikes me as a bit odd. That said, I do think the Flyers did want to bring him back. You know, I think they, 
I think there was maybe an element on Sandstrom's side, a little bit of concern of, like, am I going to get the playing time? Because they just signed Samuel Ursan, who's coming over. They still have Kirillus Domenko. Alex Lyon is an unrestricted free agent, but in theory, he could come back. And suddenly, if he does, you got four goalies, and you got the AHL team and the ECHL team. I imagine Felix Sandstrom doesn't feel like playing in the ECHL again. So... There might have been an element of that, but the Flyers like the way Sandra finished the season. Yeah, yeah, there's just there's only so many spots for goalies when it comes down to yeah. it, and none of them are going to be the backup in, in Philly next year, I don't think, at least to start the year. Um, so there's probably an element of that, but I think, the, you know, once the Flyers reassured Sandstrom that he's going to get playing time, then, you know, he signed the deal, and boom, you know, according to the Flyers, he will be playing in Lehigh Valley next year. So assurances have been given like this is because sometimes what you can do is you can sign a guy to a contract and then you can just loan him to uh you know to europe in some way but i don't get the sense that's what's happening here he's gonna play so you know it was a weird situation but in the end you know sandstrom's back and he's gonna be in the mix apparently so you're saying this was not this was not symptomatic of organizational failure As I saw on on Twitter. Well, I mean, they signed him, so how could it be organizational? Because it was, I saw things like, did Chuck just find out that he had to have a goalie signed in order to protect Carter Hart? Like, it was like a whole, I saw a lot of nonsense where I was like, are you? Again. Why? First first off, first off, that's, that's just, number one, like, like. People should stop assuming that they are smarter yeah, than you're the people not. that are paid to run the team. You're like, definitely no, they, not. They know the rules. <laughs> they, they know the rules, guys. Number two, that entire thought process of did Chuck not know he had to sign Sandstrom, that's, just, that's honestly just wrong because they didn't have to sign Sandstrom. All they needed to do to fulfill the goalie exposure requirement was offer Sandstrom a qualifying offer. He didn't have to accept it. He didn't even have to sign it. They just had to offer it to him because in that case, Sandstrom could say, no, I'm not signing the qualifying offer. I'm going over to play in Europe for a year. The Flyers would retain his rights, which they would want to do because he's a prospect. And then in theory, the Seattle Kraken could have selected Felix Sandstrom's rights and he would have functioned as the exposed goalie because he's still under RFA control. So they did not have to actually sign Felix Sandstrom to a contract. All they would have needed to do was qualify him, which they were always going to do because they weren't going to lose his rights for nothing. So that entire line of thinking was incorrect from the start. And they've invested so much time in him. Like, why would they just let him walk for nothing? That's stupid. Like they still are offering Raquel Vorobiev qualifying offers. Is he ever going to come yeah. back? Probably not. But like, why not? Yeah. He's not going to sign if him anyway. If he does, I want to have a conversation. And you keep I just want to talk. But like, <laughs> you, you keep offering a, Q, a, a QO. He doesn't accept it, and you keep his rights. You know, for however long. Like it's just it's, it's logical easy. to do, even if you don't think a guy is a future in your organization, because you never know. Maybe the flip switches for Mikhail Vorobiev at age twenty-four and he scores sixty points in forty games in the KHL and suddenly it's like, well, he's got value. Maybe we bring him back over, maybe we trade his rights to a team who wants to give him the first line center job in the NHL. Like you keep offering guys qualifying offers, even if they're not in your likely future, just in case something changes. And that's what they would have done with Sandstrom. And I like to do it next week. I think we need to talk about what the fuck the Flyers are going to do at backup goalie because I just remembered they don't have anyone. Yeah, they really don't. Not yet. They need to sign somebody. Well, I mean, hey, if the last six games in the AHL mean anything to you, Sandstrom, we've seen he's had ups and downs in his development. First five games of the season, eh, 839 save percentage. Last six, 943. 
So maybe Kelly, uh, maybe Kelly's onto something here with that next yeah, Henry Conquest. Hold on to they it, go- Kelly. Hold on goalies to it forever. Are weird. Fucking told you guys, goalies are weird. <laughs> All right, guys. But I gotta tell right, you, the it. last six Let's games in an AHL season <laughs> yeah, don't I'm... mean very much to me. <laughs> Complete. Well, I mean, in the AHL, maybe they mean more than in the NHL, especially this season. <laughs> Yeah. The fact is, he stopped pucks, and that's good in the last six games of his 11 appearances. You'll love to see it. All right, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And if you haven't already, you know what to do. you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content. You'll get it. It's free. It's awesome. It's all the Flyers coverage you could ever possibly need. Maybe subscribe to The Athletic, but, you know, that's up to you. Um yeah, that's it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie. Yeah, I, for I think Kelly, it's a pretty good buy. Just saying. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?